0: Hello and welcome to CJSW Age-Friendly Programming, broadcasting on 90.9 FM in Calgary and on Treaty 7 and Region 3 Territory. Our program is called Age to Perfection and Old Enough to Know Better. I'm Linda Rainey.
1: And I'm Kathy Burrell. Hi, I'm Kathy Burrell and welcome to the program. If you're a regular listener, you're familiar with my current situation as a part-time caregiver to my 85-year-old father-in-law who suffers from Parkinson's and his 82-year-old wife, a diabetic in the first phase of dementia, although she would wholeheartedly disagree with me on that one. When Linda and I started this program, we agreed that we were going to present an honest view of growing older as we experience it. I will be honest. These last few months with my in-laws have been frustrating beyond belief. And just the other day, my in-laws informed my sister-in-law and I that they have changed their mind and are no longer willing to go into care. They prefer to stay in their own home. I will spare you the expletives and the heavy sighs and instead pose a question. What should you do if your parent refuses caregiving help? I will be drawing on two articles that help me crystallize my thinking on this topic. The first article is titled When Your Parent Refuses Caregiving Help, which is an excerpt from a book called My Parents Keeper: The Guilt, Grief, Guesswork, and Unexpected Gifts of Caregiving by Jody Gastfriend. The second article I've used is titled Eight Expert Tips for When Aging Parents Won't Listen by Sally Abrams. Okay, so let's get started. My first quote says it all. One of the biggest frustrations for adult children is that they come up with a plan that makes perfect sense to them, but their parents says, thanks, but no thanks. This is my situation in a nutshell. The endless talking and planning and cajoling and appealing to their better judgment is undone in an instant, about every week or so making the entire exercise completely futile. It makes me wonder, if the police can charge you with child abuse, if you should do something insane, such as leaving your child locked inside a car in the middle of winter while you decide to pop into a nice warm pub for a couple of drinks, what would the law say about leaving two people in a house alone for a couple of hours, a day, or a 24-hour period when these two adults are cognitively impaired and the house is full of bleach and sharp knives, etc. Now, I understand they're adults. However, my experience suggests that what would be considered good judgment doesn't apply to people who suffer from cognitive impairment. I suppose that is the difference between adults and children. Society looks after children but we're supposed to let cognitively impaired older adults just do for themselves. Here's a quote from the first article. When our parents' refusal to accept help puts their safety and well-being in jeopardy, we feel compelled to act, yet our good intentions are often thwarted. Over the years, I have heard countless stories of caregivers who tried strong-arming their parents to accept help only to feel angry and dismayed when their efforts failed. So let's take this argument a little bit further. So let's say a parent burns down the house, and the house has three mortgages on it, and they don't have any money. Or they neglect themselves to the point where long hospitalization in a different city requires the child to have to quit their job to be near them. And I, you know, again, I understand there's a dementia charter of rights, as well as many programs in place to protect older adults from abuse, physical, mental, or financial abuse. But what protections are there for children of these adults? Do we choose our jobs, our mental health, and our right to a life, and simply abandon the older adult to the system because they won't listen? Uh, either the health care system or the social welfare system. Okay, here's another example. Let's take the case of older adult Ed, and I quote from one of the articles. Since Jan was unmarried, she was the daughter designated to take it all on. Oh, how uh, I can really relate to that. After leaving her temp job to the full-time caretaker... Jan could no longer afford her apartment, so she moved in with Ed and braced for the rough road ahead. First, Ed spent a week in the hospital and had to have two toes amputated. Then he was discharged home with infected ulcers. Now, despite all of Jan's efforts, the ulcers worsened and Ed's leg had to be amputated. Although Ed was able to put on his own prosthetic, He refused to do so and was so confined to a wheelchair. I don't know. At this point in the ongoing process with my in-laws, I gotta say, my sympathies here are completely with Jan. Here's a quote from the second article. My parents' life decisions have greatly impacted me and I am very resentful. I love my mother, but I'm at my wits' end. I can't even begin to tell you how many times My husband and I have suggested options to improve my parents' quality of life and they have turned us down. I feel like we could open a senior care business because of all the programs, aid, and other things we have looked into for them. The article goes on to suggest the following strategies to deal with aging parents who simply won't listen. Number 1. Accept the situation I say so easy to say and so hard to do. Number two, blame it on the kids. That would be you or me or the grandkids. Sorry, we don't have any. I already second guess myself daily. Number three, decide how important the matter is. You know, uh, there's an old saying, is this the hill you really want to die on? I find this is an interesting point because again, perspective is difficult, as I can't imagine being their age or in their situation. Number four, don't beat yourself up. Every day I try not to, but some days I feel everything I do is wrong or completely misunderstood. Five, find an outlet, an outlet for your feelings, and on that one, I'm like golden. Um. I've got a podcast. I write opinion pieces for the local papers. I'm going to give that a big check, and believe me, it does help. Number six, think ahead. Now, this one sort of uh, strikes me as along the lines of, this too shall pass. But again, the concept of the future is so different for a parent and a child. Number seven, treat them like the adults they are. I'm going to say here, I do try. And the final point, number eight, try to understand the motivation behind their behavior. And, you know, I find this is really tricky as I'm constantly trying to determine whether their behavior is normal for them or if the behavior is as a result of their conditions. And this is mostly because up until this point, they lived their life on their own. You know, they didn't ask us permission for anything. And I find it difficult almost at this juncture in my life to think to myself, do I really know who my in-laws are despite the fact that I've been married to their son for 35 years? So, the solution. If you think I have the answers, I am so sorry to disappoint. I absolutely don't. But I'll leave you a quote from the first article. If despite your best efforts, your parents won't budge, You may need professional help, aging life care professionals, elder law attorneys and professional mediators can provide an objective perspective about financial and legal matters and lay out options for care. They may also dislodge entrenched parents from unreasonable and unsustainable positions that put themselves and others at risk. And of course there are two tiers to this sort of help. You can dedicate a good portion of your time to working through the system, and and working through the system on your own is a free service, or you can start hiring people to help you quickly and sometimes more efficiently, even hiring people to do some of the counseling or the paperwork you need help with. As an example, I believe that we are paying approximately $70 a day to have a nurse come to the house to give my father-in-law his pills four times per day. Now, it is extremely important for the management of his condition that all 14 of the pills are taken on a regular schedule at 8 a.m., noon, 4 p.m., and 8 p.m. If we as a family could not afford that, we would have to arrange to visit their house four times per day. And, you know, frankly, the cost for this service in B.C., is approximately $1,700 per month and there are days that I think that is a bargain and other days that I think, geez, I, I wonder if we're doing the right thing, spending their money on that. Okay, whew, whew. thank you for letting me get all that frustration off my chest. Now let's look at the world as my in-laws see it because I always like to look at both sides of a story. They both worked hard all their lives. They retired around 60, and they never planned to be sick as they grew older or have any sort of debilitating condition. They have managed their own affairs without one bit of help from the rest of the family, their immediate family, which is their three kids and their spouses, their entire lives up until about five years ago. At that time, they saw neither a house that was dirty or the fact that my father-in-law was falling two to three times a day and driving erratically as a problem. And the big point here is that we persuaded them to move closer to us, to the family, and for my father-in-law to give up driving for the safety of himself, my mother-in-law, and anyone else on the road. Now, both of them have begun talking lately about perhaps moving back to their old place, and starting to drive again. As at the same time, we are making a case for an easier life with better access to round-the-clock care for both of them if they would only agree to move into a nursing home, a retirement residence, whatever you want to call it. Now this desire to go back to when things were better in their lives, when they were independent, and when it was just the two of them, makes sense to me. I understand that. Except you know what? The fact is, we can't go back. So, this latest push, pull, yes, no, maybe so, has left everyone's nerves frayed and temper short. My mother-in-law's birthday was last week. She was 82, and we celebrated at an Irish pub-type restaurant, where the birthday girl got a free dinner. Dinner was a little tense as her and her daughter had had words earlier in the day when, according to my mother-in-law, her daughter had overstepped. Today my mother-in-law called, excited to see the first snowfall and letting me know that the nightgown I gave her as a present was a little big, but she was trying to shrink it down to size in the wash. Now, my mother-in-law's wash cycle uses three washer pods and three dryer sheets to simply achieve the right amount of cleanliness. Now, this is another point of opinion, but to me, the laundry smells like a chemical plant. (laughs) And I think it's kind of dangerous to be wearing clothes that just reek of chemicals. But you know what? It's her laundry. She suggested that when I come over tomorrow morning to watch my father-in-law while she and her daughter attend a medical appointment, that it might be nice if I took father out for a nice breakfast, and could I also take him shopping for a new pair of slippers, as somehow there are two mismatched slippers in his room, and he's 99% sure that the care aide took the other ones. The argument about why the care aide would want two mismatched slippers, you know, it it just didn't go anywhere. Oh, and if I could also pick up a case of ginger ale, said the diabetic. You know What? She sounded happy, and later tomorrow afternoon, I'm flying back to Calgary for an eight-day reprieve, so tomorrow doesn't sound bad at all, and that's where I'm going to leave my story today. Now, I wish everyone listening the best of luck should they find themselves in this situation, and I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays and let you know that our show will return in January. This has been Kathy Burrell, and I thank you for listening.
0: Hello, everybody. Linda Rainey here. I recently saw this poem posted on the wall in a senior's lodge when my choir was singing the other day. It resonated with me because I have two family members who are facing some serious health issues recently, and unfortunately, neither one can expect too much recovery or improvement in their illness, only further decline as they get older. I'm sure there are lots of family members and caregivers out there who will appreciate this poem as much as I did. The poem by Owen Darnell, titled, Do Not Ask Me to Remember. Do not ask me to remember. Don't try to make me understand. Let me rest and know you're with me. Kiss my cheek and hold my hand. I'm so confused beyond your concept I'm so sad and sick and lost. All I know is that I need you to be with me at all cost. So do not lose your patience with me. Do not scold or curse or cry. I can't help the way I'm acting. Can't be different though I try. Just remember that I need you, that the best of me is gone. Please don't fail to stand beside me. Love me till my life is gone. Everywhere you go these days, whether small towns or big cities, you'll see cannabis retail outlets open and ready for business. They have catchy names to draw your attention and mysterious-looking storefronts with windows you can't see into, which is required by law so you can't see the products from the street. My curiosity finally got the better of me, so I located a cannabis retail store close to where I live. I went in the other day to check it out. There were glass display cases with a large variety of bongs and pipes and vaporizers and lots of glass jars containing the marijuana inventory. All were labeled with a THC and CBD content, and the THC percentage on most of them seemed pretty high in comparison to the CBD content. Behind the counter were shelves with oils and tinctures and other things I know nothing about. Above the shelves was a digital price list. I didn't purchase anything that day, and I probably never will. There were two clerks in the store, which is a good idea for their safety, because you never know who will be walking through the door until they're inside, because of the opaque finish on the glass. And you can't see out either once you've entered the store, a feeling I wasn't comfortable with. No other customers came in during the time I was there. Cannabis was legalized October 17, 2018 in Canada, so anyone 18 years and older can possess up to 30 grams of cannabis in its dried or non-dried form. When I was growing up, it was referred to as weed or pot or grass or bud or wacky tobacco. Now it's referred to by its proper name, cannabis. There are more than 100 chemicals called cannabinoids in marijuana. The two main ones used for medical marijuana are THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, and CBD, cannabidiol. Knowing the differences in these chemicals is important to understand before you start using it. THC and CBD are stored in the body's fat, and apparently traces can show up on drug tests several days or weeks after you use them. Marijuana has a higher concentration of THC, and hemp has a higher concentration of CBD. They both have medical benefits. You can smoke it, eat it, vaporize it in a mist, rub it on your skin, put droplets under your tongue, or take it in a pill form or a suppository. The Cannabis Act allows people to grow up to four cannabis plants in their home from licensed seedlings, and you can make cannabis-infused beverages in your home as well. Stats Canada reports that people 65 and older are the fastest-growing group of users and that more more than one in four seniors are new users. Looks like seniors are wasting no time. I guess we've all been waiting for our opportunity to legally try cannabis— Maybe because some of us used it many years ago and want to try it again, legally this time instead of sourcing it from someone on the street. But back in those days, let's say 40 years ago, older adults were less likely to get high on a daily basis compared to the younger age groups, and seniors were likely to use only medicinal cannabis. Some seniors admit they are becoming compulsive users since legalization. Researchers say pot is a safe substitute for prescription opioids or tranquilizers commonly prescribed by physicians. It's hard to predict if a person might become manic or paranoid when using pot. There can be some serious interactions with other prescription drugs that can change how the body metabolizes THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the principal psychoactive component of cannabis. THC is the main mind-altering ingredient and is responsible for marijuana's psychological effects. It acts similarly to the way the body's naturally occurring cannabinoid chemicals do. Pot combined with alcohol impairs cognitive and motor functioning, increasing the risk of car accidents for users, especially for seniors who may already have slower response times. Cannabinoid chemicals are made naturally by the body so that when a person consumes cannabis, THC attaches itself to the receptors in the brain that affect memory, pleasure, movements, thinking, concentration, coordination, and sensory and time perception. The other component in cannabis that doesn't get people stoned is CBD, cannabidiol, which blocks the high that you get from THC. THC can increase your heart rate and cause disorientation and confusion, increasing the risk of falls. A high could last anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour when smoked, depending on the size of the joint, which is often not measured. Respiratory problems are the main side effect from smoking marijuana, not to mention the skunky odor it produces. Older people commonly feel high within minutes of smoking or vaporizing. So many experts recommend ingesting marijuana by squirting cannabis oil in their mouth or adding it to tea or smoothies or baking it into foods. That way, the body doesn't absorb it so quickly. Edibles, gummies, and other foods infused with cannabis can take up to four hours to peak, and the effects can last up to ten hours. If people don't feel the effect right away, they may take more than they had intended, which the body can't handle, resulting in nausea, psychosis, and chest pain. When the state of Colorado legalized cannabis, there was a huge increase in the emergency room visits, many as a result of overdosing on edibles. High levels of THC can worsen anxiety and cause delusions and hallucinations. The only time I ever tried marijuana as a teenager affected me immediately after I smoked it, and I became quite anxious. I remember I was watching the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, starring Robin Williams with some friends, and suddenly it seemed like the TV screen became larger and larger. I kept moving my chair further back in the room until I was up against the wall. I finally had to move out of the room altogether and walk around outside to compose myself. It was not a good experience for me, and I never had the desire to try it again. If I ever did, I certainly wouldn't smoke it. I didn't know the potency of it, and I'm not sure if the person who supplied it knew it either. It's interesting to know that edibles take at least 12 hours to eliminate from the body of a 70-year-old. Some effects can last up to two days if a large quantity is consumed. So, if you're an older adult and you're using cannabis in some form or another, watch for some physiological changes, especially in your blood pressure and your heart rate. You'll likely experience some subtle or dramatic mood changes as well. Despite all these risks, the majority of older adults interviewed since legalization who are using cannabis say they have not really noticed any emotional or functional side effects so far. But then again, it's early days because cannabis became legal only one short year ago. A year isn't long enough to measure results. In October 2019, edibles, extracts, and topicals were legalized in Canada, although the edibles won't be available for purchase until at least January 2020. Now, let's get back to the helpful benefits of cannabis, the one containing CBD. CBD has anti-inflammatory, pain-killing effects and is non-intoxicating. So when compared to taking ibuprofen, which can cause gastrointestinal bleeding and ulceration, or sleeping pills, which can cause memory problems and dizziness, some people think CBD is a good alternative. When inhaling or vaporizing, the body absorbs through the lungs and directly into the bloodstream, which travels to the brain. Edibles are absorbed more slowly through the stomach or the skin and sometimes takes two to four hours to take effect. If you're a baby boomer, you may have tried marijuana in the 70s or 80s when the THC content was only around 5%. Now the content is between 20 and 30% in the legalized products for sale. So, a couple of precautions. You're older now and the THC levels are more potent and will affect you quite differently. Some extracts could have 80-90% to THC, which could cause cannabis poisoning if too much is used. The good thing about legalization is that the content levels must be on the label and the packaging must be child-resistant. We don't want our pets getting into this stuff either. Here are some positive benefits of using medicinal cannabis. It helps cancer patients with nausea and vomiting when going through chemotherapy. It gives relief from neurological pain and migraines. In Alzheimer's patients, cannabis improves loss of appetite and depression. Cannabis relieves effects of arthritic pain, nerve damage, and chronic illness. It has also been proven to help those with obsessive-compulsive disorders and PTSD. CBD stimulates serotonin receptors in the brain. Many seniors lose their desire to eat, and medical marijuana stimulates the body systems to eat more instead of treating the disorder with antipsychotics. It also aids with sleeping instead of sleeping pills. Glaucoma is caused by a buildup of fluid which damages the nerves in the eyeball and is the leading cause of blindness in people over 60. Doctors prescribe eye drops, but the medical marijuana can also relieve pressure for hours at a time. Medical marijuana has positive benefits on the brain and increases cognition and is safer and more cost-efficient than prescription drugs, which could cost up to $3,000 a year compared to 650 yearly for medical marijuana. I wouldn't be surprised if old Santa Claus has some cannabis in his sack this Christmas. As the year draws to a close, we wish you Happy New Year and promise to have some interesting topics for you in 2020. We'll close with Old Lang Syne by Doogie McLean.
2: Old acquaintance be forgot and never brought a mind. Should old acquaintance be forgot and days of old land sign? For old land sign, my dear, for old land. Sign. We'll take a cup, oh kindness, yet for all that sign. we to here, run up with the brace, and put the gowans fine. We've wandered many. For all land sign, dear. For all land sign, we'll tack a cup, oh, kindness yet. For all lands, sign.
0: That's it for our program today. Thank you so much for listening to CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary. Our program is aged to perfection and old enough to know better.